<laughs> but uh, yeah, I was in North Carolina. Thank you, thank you. I was in North Carolina, and uh, and you know, I saw all these fields. You know, the corn fields and the collard greens, and it was amazing. I'm just driving by and I'm seeing all this, and it just kind of brought back memories because I've been living up in Northern Virginia for for a minute or for a while, and uh, and it was. Uh, and I thought about, it brought me back to when I used to know farmers, uh, I had relatives that were farmers, and every time they go to plant, they never went and, and sowed seed thinking that they weren't gonna get a return. Every time that they went out there to plant, they, they just knew, they weren't sitting back saying, God, I hope this seed take. <laughs> the other thing was, we just gotta hurry up and get it into the ground, because they expected a harvest. And I sit back, I look at these fields, and it's like loaded corn and I mean just filled up and I thought to myself that's because somebody was out there sowing and you know and what we are doing and I've already started my sermon so that's good so y'all just you can put me on the clock uh, so so what we have been doing in actuality is uh, is we've been sowing and there's an expectation that as we sow into the lives of people and we sow the word of God that things are going to happen and that we can expect a harvest and uh, I know you may say, well, I went there yesterday and the door got slammed in my face. But that's okay. You know what Jesus said about that? Shake the dust off your feet and keep rolling. You know, the farmers sometimes, you know, they plant seeds. They always got some little rebellious seeds in there. They just don't want to get in the ground act right. You know, you know sometimes you know, they'll lose seeds. It's like me. I'm planting seed, grass seed in my front yard a lot of times. And I will always plant a whole bunch of seed. I get them big old bags. I just load them in my front yard because, you know, a lot of times the birds, I look out there and the birds are there eating my seed. So, you know, there are going to be some that's not going to take. But you know what? That never stopped me from keep planting the seed. Hallelujah. Because God said that whatsoever you sow, that shall, not might, possibility, that shall you reap. So my responsibility is to keep sowing. And then God is going to bring the increase. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We've been in our series talking about the harvest. And I think I'm going to take my jacket out this morning, but don't let that frighten you. I'm not going to be real long. I just, I'm just a little warm. Uh, yes, the pastor take off his jacket. He's ready for a fight. No, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to bless you. I'm just excited. And I'm a little warm up here. Luke chapter 15. So we are in our fifth part of our series. Now, I'm not really sure how long this series is going to go. I'm just going to I'm just listening to the Lord, whatever God says. Uh, But I don't want you to focus so much on what part it is. I want you to focus on how does this speak to me and ask God to speak to you in this process. Luke chapter 15. We'll begin reading in verses uh, 11 through verses 32. Are we ready? Let's go. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in need or in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. How many know he's in a bad place? But when he came to himself, everybody say, come to yourself. 
See, every now and then we got to come to ourselves, don't we? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Everybody say compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf or for some of us, the fried chicken. (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. But for those of you who are kind of, you know, whatever, you know, pot roast, you know, (laughs) and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. What is this thing with church and chicken? This is, they even had a place called Church's Chicken. Yeah. Let, let me keep going. I just, that's just, just, just free. All right. Let me see. Bad pastor. Get back on task. Here we go. And he was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. Now watch this. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf or the chicken. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, couldn't even call him his brother, son of yours, you know he's mad, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, uh, Lord, for your word. And I pray as we study that you would uh, give us insight, revelation and inspiration uh, so that we can be more conformed to the image of your son. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. I had alluded a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that if we're going to be effective evangelists and witnesses for Christ, that we needed to follow Jesus' steps. But not only should we need to follow just what Jesus did, we also need to understand the spirit by which he did it. You know, um, my wife will often say to me sometimes, she'll say, honey, it's not what you said, it's, it's, it's how you said it, you know. What you said was right, but it's just, the spirit behind how you say that, it just didn't click with me. And it's important to know that when you go and you want to talk about the love of God to somebody, what kind of spirit are you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? A lot of that depends on what your perception of God is. 
if you think that your God is a killjoy and he's waiting to lash you across the head every time you step out of line, then that's probably going to be the way that you present God. You're going to present him like he's he just can't wait to get you, to punish you, to do all these horrible things to you because you have walked outside of the parameters that God has set for us. And so it's important to ask the question, how does God view sinners? How do you look at people that are sinners? Because I believe that our ability to be effective in touching people with the good news. How many many know that the gospel is good news? This is good news. That we're going to, we have to understand what was the spirit by which Jesus did what he did. I talked uh, ago in one of these series of messages how the disciples, Jesus wanted to go through a city and the disciples, and they wouldn't let him. I forget what people it was. It could have been the Samaritan people, I'm not sure. And the apostles said, let's just, you know, send down some fire and just burn them all up for not doing what they're supposed to do. And Jesus looked at him and said, you, 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 don't, you don't understand what kind of spirit you're of. That ain't how I present this gospel. What Jesus did was he just modeled, he was the model perfection of love. He was love personified. And people, even ungodly people, just loved to hang around him because they just felt like they were accepted. How many sinners like to hang around you like that? Or or are we like the religious folk? Something to think about. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's a loaded verse. We all know that. I mean, people who don't even read the Bible know that scripture. They don't even go to church, but they know that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We all know that. But you know that verse is so loaded because when we understand who God is, when we get a revelation of what he left behind, his glory, what he did to come down, and to rescue sinners like us and to subject himself to his very own creation that spit in his face and wanted nothing to do with him. If I created your butt, you would do what I tell you to do. Oh, I'll get rid of you. That's me. That's, you know, y'all be that way, too. You don't act right. Start all over again. <laughs> you know, but Jesus came. He humbled himself. And I think sometimes we take that for granted because we don't really we don't really get that thing down into us to kind of understand that that he really gave up a lot for me. And he really and, 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 you know, and I really wasn't like really trying to connect with him that way. You know, I was kind of like enjoying my life. Sin has a way of blinding you, you know. Gets you in and you you think you're having a good time. You're not really having a good time. But when we understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what motivated him was his love for people. We have to come to a place where if, if you're not there yet, you have to praise the Lord. Give me a genuine love for people. Lord, give me a heart that I really love people and that when people come in contact with me, with me, they will see you and they will see that I'm not just after them because I have some agenda. But they will see the love and the care that I have for them. Lord, Lord, make me like your son, Jesus. You know, 
The Bible says that God wants to conform us to the image of his son. God's number one agenda is to conform you to the image of his son, not to make you happy. That's what your spouse is supposed to do. That's what your kids are supposed to do. That's what your buddies are supposed to do. But God's number one agenda is not to make you happy. Although, the closer you get to him, you are happy. You know? But uh, the Bible says it, proves, it, it pleased the Father to bruise Jesus. You ever read that in Isaiah? That, that, that it pleased God to put his son on the cross. Now, in case you don't remember, just let me remind you, when Jesus was on the cross, in fact, before he went up there, he said, Father, if it's possible, will you please? If there's another way I can do this, I don't want to go there. Not because he didn't want to atone for our sin, but, you know, he was about to bear the whole sin of the world. He was perfection. There was no unrighteousness in him. He's about to be separated from God, which is what sin does. It separates us from God. He's about to go through this. And he's like, Lord, if there's some other way that I can get around this. But then he said, but, but, but nevertheless, 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 not as I will, but as you will. If you want me to go through it, I'll go through it. And God said, it pleased me to do that to him. And Jesus went through it because he had you and me in mind. I don't want to do this, but you know, if I, if I can get you out of what you're in, I'm going to do it. I mean, no, that's, that's, that's real good news. And so when you hear the story, and before I go into the story of the prodigal son, you know that scripture that talks about in 2 Peter, I believe she might have it, 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9, says God is not slack concerning his promise. You know, it's been 2,000 years. When is Jesus going to come back? You know, some of us in church circles, we've even hunkered down, man, and we only do church within the four walls because we were waiting for Jesus to come back. <laughs> Lord, when are you coming back? It's taking a long time. Are you ready? But the scripture said that he's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering. He's patient, not willing that anyone should perish, but all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what God is after, the reason why seed time and harvest and the earth remains and things continue as they are right now is because God has people in mind and he's not going to shut this thing down until that last one coming to the doors of the kingdom that he has ordained. So instead of trying to rush God to hurry up and come, let's get busy about doing our father's work. And I think if we do that, then he'll come quickly. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he'll come quickly when we get about our father's business. It's like my kids. They always want things from us, you know. And we ask them to do this and do that, and they halfway do it. And we say, no, we ain't going to give you this yet until, well, well I better know because you didn't do that right first. When you do that, then we'll take care of what needs to be take care, taken care of. That's what I believe God says to his children, that when we take care of his business and we get serious about sharing the good news with those who don't know him, he will come quickly as it is our prayer. And so it brings us to this story, a wonderful story of a prodigal son. The word prodigal there means reckless, a person that is a spendthrift. And the ladies don't like that verse too much, that spendthrift. Y'all not spendthrift ladies, right? Wasteful spending. That's what the word prodigal means. We all have heard this story, and people refer to it. Here's a young man who decided he had two sons. He had a brother. There were two brothers. You had an older, you had a younger one. 
the older son, according to scripture, always got a double portion of the blessing. The younger would always get about a third of an inheritance. But the key thing about inheritance, you could not get your inheritance until the father died. So this younger son comes up and says, Dad, give me my inheritance. And he ain't even the oldest. So in essence, he's saying, Daddy, it's almost like saying, Daddy, I'm ready for you to die. I need my money. Give it up. Give me what's mine. Give me my inheritance. I want it now. I don't know how I would have handled that. <laughs> but there's a couple of things we can glean from this story. Now, as we go into the story, what you'll find is that there are some parallels. And I want you to look at the way this father responded to the son because it really uh, reflects how God deals with us and look at people. So as we go through this, think of it in those terms. So the first thing is that the father gave the son whatever he wanted. Now, how many know God will never, ever force you to do anything that you don't want to do? Except judgment is coming. Everybody's going to have to face that, you know. But God is, you know, God gave us a free will to make decisions. You get to choose. The Bible says choose this day who you will serve. Make a choice. How many know life is full of choices? God is a gentle spirit. God would allow you, you know, it's like the story of, uh, in Numbers 22, and I don't have time to turn there, but remember Balaam, this guy Balaam, who was uh, anointed by God, Balak said, this guy named Balak, who was the king of Moab, he said, uh, uh, do me a favor, Balak said to Balaam, I-, I want you to go curse God's people for me. And uh, uh, Balaam said, well, hmm, let me go check with God and see what God says about that. He goes and he prays. God says, Tell them, don't touch the people because I bless them. And you can't curse what I bless. Sent them boys back on their way. Then they come back. Bailey said, no, 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 no. Because, see, I know what you bless, brother. And what you, if you bless something, you say it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So you got to make this work for me. So he sent them back. Go back, go back, go back, go back. He sent this time, sent some money, sent a whole delegation of folks. Say, man of God, will you do, please do me a favor and curse the people? He saw that money dangling. He's, now, you know, I mean, God had already told him, said, uh, don't curse without bless. He's already given instruction. He go back and said, well, no, but you're going to offer me that. Well, let me go back and ask God again. <laughs> so Balaam goes back and he asks God again. Now, if God already told you to know about something, you don't need to go back and ask him all over again, right? Because, see, when you're going back, you're just saying, I'm going to do this anyway. Because you've already decided. You have a predisposition, as we call it in legal terms, that this is how you, you really have made up your mind. This is what you're going to do. So, so Balak goes over there, and Balak sends his delegation over, and they ask him again. And, and Balaam says, uh, okay, uh, let me go talk to God about it. And God said, go ahead. See, that joker jumped on his horse. And he's thinking, he said, go ahead. But look, don't tell him. Just, just tell him what I want you to tell him. But go ahead. And the Bible says that as he's on his way, a donkey, he's riding his donkey. And the donkey, an angel jumped in front of the donkey. <laughs> and uh, the donkey sees the angel and just turn left. And the angel's on the other side, turn right. 
And before this whole thing is over, the angel called the donkey to run, slam up into the wall, almost broke the boy's foot. What's wrong with you, donkey? Now he's having a conversation with the donkey. And donkey said, I've been, I've, been, I've been with you all this time. You know I don't usually act like this. Something else going on here, brother. And God was saying that your way is perverse because, see, I've already told you, no. So for those of you who know what God's word already said, don't, don't go ask him because he, he, he ain't going to afford it. He'll let you do what you want to do. But how I many know you got to deal with that? Yeah. This father says to him, this father says, this is, how God, uh, this is how God thinks. Father says, okay, you want your money? Sure. Now, I don't know if I'd have done that, but this father did. And I think God is trying to give us some insight here. Second point is, he goes, he gets his inheritance, and he goes and starts living it up. Now, so you know he's already coming. He's already had in his mind. He's plotting his sin. But he's going to be doing, he gets his inheritance, and he goes and starts partying it up big time, hanging out with prostitutes, having a party. And he got a big inheritance. He got a nice chunk of change. But, you know, one thing he ain't thinking about that we all got to remember. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Uh, you know, that means that you can decide that you want to do what you want to do, and if you know it's a violation of God's word, but, but, but understand payday is coming. If you decide to willfully sin and disobey God, you can do that. God is not going to go. God, listen, he'll send you warnings. He will say, don't do that. He will impress your spirit. He will try to send. He will send pastor on a Sunday morning. On August 1st to tell you, don't do it. He will send brother Larry, the usher, to tell you, don't do it. But if you decide to do it, God let you do it. But understand this, the wages of sin is death. So anytime that we decide that we're going to sin against God, make a wolf of sin, understand, okay, cool, cool, but, but payday is coming. You cannot sin against God and not expect that there's going to be some consequences behind it. See, that's what the devil don't tell you. So this, he has an inheritance, a birthright. Inheritance is like a birthright, uh, you know, uh, all of us have, as Christians, an inheritance. You have a birthright. You have a destiny. If you're in the kingdom, you have a destiny. You have a purpose. You have a, a calling on your life. We all have a spiritual inheritance, but each and every one of you, there's something significant. I don't care, you know, whether you are a business person or whether you are a teacher, whether, you know, whatever the case, you have a purpose that God has ordained you for. And there are some people, how many pastors, how many CEOs, how many congressmen, how many senators have thrown away their birthright for momentary pleasure? Okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. A little. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, you, you're going you're to take what God has, I mean, your whole career, everything that God's been working and building in your life, you're going to take that and you're going to play around with sin and play around with your destiny and your birthright. That's what this young man did. Look at Hebrews, I believe. I believe Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his what? Birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was what? Rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. This young man said, I'm going to take the inheritance that my father left me. And I'm going to go squander it. If you know the story of Esau, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the elder. Esau was hungry one day. He said, look, I'm hungry. Give me some food. And Jacob said, look, give me your birthright. See, birthright as your birthright is pretty important in those days. You know, you got a double portion. I mean, you were the elder son. You don't just give away that. That's money. And he says, no big deal. I'm hungry. Just give me that food. I'm, I'm ready to eat right now. So the birthright don't mean much to me. Don't let, you get, don't let yourself fall into a situation where you're despising your birthright because the scripture said when he came back, he tried to get, he wanted to get it back. He wanted to correct it. He said, look, 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't have did that. Let me tell you something. Many people have thrown away their lives and they, they have played around with stuff they know they're not supposed to play with and they want to come back later and try to fix it. Too late. I mean, look, sin has consequences. That's what the devil don't tell you. He always trying to tell you, come on, have a good time, party up, do your thing. But he don't tell you what you're giving up. It's amazing when he's trying to tempt you or lure you. The pictures of your family don't just come to mind. He don't say, look, look at your family. Look at your kid. Look at everything you work hard. Look at, look at all of this. He don't tell you all that. It's amazing how that becomes absent. When he's trying to pull you into a situation. So this young man, he throws away his inheritance. He's just out there. He's partying and he's living up. And, and then the third point is that, that that sin had blinded him to the point that it says in verse number 16 of Luke chapter 15. said that he would have eaten the swine food. You see how damaging sin can be? That it can blind us to a point that you want to eat swine food, hang out with the, the lowlifes, as they would say. I sometimes I would go out and we, in my other capacity, that we would go out and we would serve uh, warrants and different things, and you walk into these houses and you walk in the environment, I mean, and people are hooked on drugs and they're in bondage and the house is like filthy, you got... Uh, trash, you got mites, uh, rats, and they got bugs and gnats, and they got uh, uh, just, I mean, just, you can't even walk through. I went to one house, there was a whole bunch of dog feces, all you couldn't even walk in the house. But they sitting up in there just, everything good. Oh, I would have cleaned that yesterday if I had time. Because, you know, what happens is once you get caught up in sin, there's a, there's a stench and there's a darkness that it sucks it sucks the life out of you, and it pulls you in, and you don't even realize where you're at. How many of you have heard people talk about being, living a life, being, being addicted, I mean, being heavily involved in sin, and, they, they, and they're so entrenched in it, they don't even realize until somebody comes up and says, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? 
What, what are you doing here? How did you get, how did you get here? This brother had gotten so bad that he said, I'm ready to eat the pig's food because I'm so hungry. I'm ready to hang out with the pig pen stuff because I just. And then all of a sudden, the next point, he came to himself. Everybody say he came to himself. You see, now what you were doing yesterday as you were going, you were sharing the gospel of Christ. And I think Brother Vincent said it yesterday. He was they were having a debriefing and Vincent said, you know, as we go, God is already preparing hearts. Right. Before we go, God is already talking with he's already dealing with them. He's already working uh, with them. But a lot of times God will bring the circumstances in a person's life and you who is sharing the gospel on a collision course and bam. He was in this stuff, and all of a sudden he realized, oh, what in the world am I doing in this pig pen? How did I get here? The scripture says he came to himself. Because sin is... Sin is dark. See, this young man, when he first went out, he went to do his thing. He was thinking, you know, I'm going to have a good day. Life's going to be good. And all of a sudden, he wakes up one day. He's like, oh, my goodness. How many know sin is dangerous? We don't like to talk about it much in church no more. But how many know that that sin is dangerous? (laughs) He came to himself. In other words, the light bulb came on. Fifth point. Watch this. He repented of his sins. He says, I'm sitting here. I'm in this bad place. He looked around. He, he finally, now, if he would have had a buddy or somebody to tell him, you know, they could have told us, brother, you're in a bad place. But, but it took him to go through all of that. I mean, know for some people, it take them to have to go through all of that. But God is trying to spare you. You don't have to go through all of that. I'm going to tell you right now where that will lead you to and why you shouldn't even go down that trail. So he realized what he did. You know what he said? He said, okay, that's it. He says, wait a minute. My dad is rich. My dad is so rich, he got servants. He got plenty of money. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back. And you know what he did? He got up out of that pig pen, and he says, I'm going in a whole different direction. See, how many know there can be no salvation until first there's some repentance? The Bible says, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. See, but he demonstrated how he repented because he got up out of the slop. (laughs) He says, I was hanging out over here, but I'm going in a different direction. I'm going into a new way of living. And so some folk think that you can get to heaven without repenting. But you can't get to heaven unless there's a change of mind where you repent of your sins. Lord, look, I am a sinner. I messed up bad. And then you start to say, look, I'm going in a whole different way. See, repent means I turn around and go this way. I was going that way, but I'm going this way now. I'm going to walk in a whole different way. This is exactly what he did. Change. Change. See, that's a real change you can believe in. (laughs) Repentance. 
See, this is a wonderful story, really, of somebody that repented of their sin. They knew they were in a bad place. Now, you know what? And, and thank God he realized the compassion and love of his father because he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my daddy. I'm going to go back to him because I believe that if, if, I, if I approach him right, he will receive me because I know my daddy, he's compassionate, he's loving, he's caring. I'm going to go back to my daddy. He'll take care of me. Now, I got to explain some things to him, but, you know, and I got to try to get back in his good graces, and, you know, but, 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 I'm going to go back to my daddy because nobody out here obviously don't care about me, but I'm going to go to my daddy. See, People can be lost in their sin, and they can always know that God is always right there saying, come, 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 come. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm lowly and meek at heart. You will find some rest to your souls. Come unto me. God is always there saying, come, come, come. No matter where you are, no matter how deep you are in your sin, he's always saying, come on, come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. That's the only prayer he hears from a sinner when they say, Lord, I'm ready to come home. Yes. Joy in heaven, the scripture says. A party of a one. One sinner that repents. And so, so he goes back and he's thinking to himself, I got to earn my way back. Um, okay, I got to try to, okay, here's what I'm going to say to my daddy. I can't get my rightful place back. Now, I want y'all to remember this rightful place. Remember that. I can't get my rightful place back, so so if he can just make me one of his higher servants, just let me just kind of hang out. I don't even want to come in the house. I don't want the same authority I had. I know I was the second to get all this. I know I, hadn't, I, I, I lost all that. But just let me work in the fields a little bit. Just, just, just take care of me. So if he can just do that. And so he's on his way back, and he's thinking he got this plan. And the scripture says that the father saw his boy. A long way off. Before he even came, before he even walked up, his father had already, there he is. It, it kind of says something about God that, that, that God is always there, just kind of like waiting. The father was waiting for the son. From the day that the son left, the father was right there saying, I, he, every day he'd go outside, he's looking down the road. Coming back at some point. I've been praying. I've been believing. I've been fasting. He's coming back. 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 Every day he comes back. And, the, and, and, and so when the father sees the boy, he gets so excited. He and the boy collides. And the first thing that the son wants to do is talk about all the sins he did. But how I many know that God don't. God ain't in the business of trying to drag up all your sin. And talk. He already know how bad you are. See, we already know how bad we are. I don't need nobody to tell me. I know what I, I, know what I am. But the father never ever, the son, here he is. He's thinking, Lord, uh, father, father, I sinned against you. Lord, let me, let me tell you. He's like, no, 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 I ain't listening to that. Go kill the fatted calf. I'm not interested in going into the details about your sin. See, anytime you want to find somebody who want to find details about somebody's sin, it's not the spirit of God. I don't listen. All I need to know, brother, you sorry? You want to get right with God? I don't need to know the details. I don't need to know how bad you, I don't need, I don't care to know all of that. I don't need to know the details of your sin. Well, what did he do? You don't need to know what he did. He's in sin. Why do you want to know what they did? 
so that you can perhaps measure yourself up and say, ain't that bad. Huh? So we don't need, so sometimes Christians, we just love to look at the list. Pull it all out, brother. Let's take a look at what you did, how raunchy you are. How much of a debauched life you've lived. Let us see, oh my goodness. Something about the human soul, particularly believers, just want to see people just kind of just, just see them, just, just see them in all of their glorious sin so that we can just kind of feel good about ourselves. You know, one thing you never asked me, I never, you know, if you got a problem, you want to talk to me about your problem, that's fine. But I don't, all, you, all I need to know is you got a problem, let's move on, let's, let's get rid of it, let's pray, let's, we don't need to go into what you did, how many of you, yeah, what you did, uh-huh, that, ooh, 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 I don't need, you know, I don't get it, oh, gee, I don't need to get into all that. Because I don't want to know, your sin might be too heavy for me to look straight. I may not can look at you straight, so I don't need to be even looking at all that. Don't even come up with me dumping on me like that, bro. You know, I want to keep a clear mind so I can minister to you. Don't give me all the, the details of all of that. And so, so the father, the father just embraces him. And, and, and now watch this. Now watch this. So the father sees him. The father, the scripture said the father started kissing him. Just kept kissing him. Every kiss was affirmation. That boy, I've forgiven you. And he's still up there trying to say, but wait, 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 let me, let me, let me explain. Uh, but, <laughs> servants, servants, go get the robe. That's right, in the ring. Now watch this. See, the robe was symbolic of honor. So go get the robe. The ring was symbolic of authority. So what the father, in essence, was saying, I'm going to restore you back to your rightful place as if you never sinned a day in your life. If that don't move you, you ain't saved. (laughs) He said, I'm going to restore you. He said, boy, I'm going to take your sin. Now, we say it all the time. I'm going to cast your sin in the sea of forgiveness. He said, boy, I'm going to restore you right back to where you were. And and because, you know, you've you've been dead, but now you're living. And you know what? You're going to experience a life, and I'm going to give you your life. I'm going to give it all back. I don't want to know all this stuff. You were dead. You were alive. Bring the fatty calf. Let's have a party. And everybody came in partying. Everybody in that party. But, 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 wait a minute. What's up with the brother? What's up with my blood? My blood, my, I thought blood was thicker than water. My, my brother, where he at? Then the brother hears the party. He hears all the commotion. He's like, what's going on? Why they got the fatty cat? What's up? What's up? What's up? And uh, he said, uh, said, said, your brother came home. So your brother came, and, and, and your dad having a party. He said, what? Having a party? Now, now, check out the spirit of this guy. His first thought is, he started going back, talking about all the sins that boy did. He was out here living up, squandering all your money, sleeping around with prostitutes. And, 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 and you're just going to love him like that? See, not every, see, some folk don't want people to experience the grace of God. Not, listen, you know, alert, alert. Not everybody wants you to be blessed. Some people want to see you wallow in your sin. 
They want to see you get punished. But sometimes God just come along and just bless you where you didn't deserve it. Give you houses and stuff that you know that you don't deserve. He just he just decided to bless you. He just decided to love you. And people trying to figure out why God bless you. I don't know. You know, I don't know. We both don't. I, I just look. I am what I am by the grace of God. He blessed me. So, hey, there it is. I, I don't have no explanation for it. He just loved me like that. What do you want me to do? He just blessed me. Told the children of Israel, so I'm gonna give you houses and plant, give you vineyards that you didn't even have to work for. Good God Almighty, I'm just gonna bless you. Why? Because I just want to do it. And some folk get mad. This brother got angry. The scripture said he was angry. Read it. He was angry. It wasn't that this brother was just like, you know, no big deal. He was angry about this thing. Now he should have been rejoicing, but he's worried about his place. Father, what about me? What about my position? What about the fact that I've been faithful serving you all this time? That rebellious son of yours. And he even said to him, you know what he said to him? He said, that son of yours. Couldn't even call him by his name. That, that son of yours, look what he did. Look what, and, and I've been doing all the right stuff. And he says, well, first of all, you are the firstborn. And uh, firstborn gets a double portion. You get more than he does. Um, ain't nothing going to touch your double portion. What's yours is yours. You got yours. Nothing going to happen with what you got. You don't have to worry about that. You, you know, you got yours and nobody going to touch that, son. He says, he says, boy, everything I got belongs to you. you. You're my firstborn. What's up with you? Why are you all tripping like this right now? You should be excited. You should be celebrating. You should be a part of the party. And here you are upset, jacked up, and mad because I decided to bless your brother who was dead and now has come alive. And you should be celebrating. And here you are upset and mad. You are of the wrong spirit. See, understand, as you know I said at the beginning, this demonstrates how God looks at things. See, the perspective of this is how God is. God is loving. He's always waiting. He's always wanting to embrace you. He's always wanting to bless you. That's the spirit of our God. This spirit of jealousy and, oh, what I've done and anger. That's not of God. The brother was dead. He was, a, he was about to eat pig stuff. And the reality of it is the only reason why he didn't eat it was because he couldn't. Because it wasn't made for his stomach. But he would have ate it. The brother was in a bad place. And God is saying we should be excited. We should be enthusiastic. We should be happy over everyone to come to God. Instead of wanting to parade and talk about where you've been and what you've been doing. Thank God that you're home. Thank God that your eyes have been opened. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate. Because I'm blessed already. I don't mind you getting blessed. You can have your blessing. I got mine. I'm already blessed. You can't bless. You can't curse what God is blessed. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody said amen. And so there's some things you learn from this story. God seeks and receives. And you see sinners. He seeks after them. Our God is a compassionate God. A lost man can come to God if he so desires at any time he wants. And another thing we can learn, too, is separation from God will bring suffering. Understand that. And, you know, as a parent, this is bringing me some relief. That you can be a good parent, but your kids sometimes can go astray. But when they get right now, you be ready. 
Because you walk and you're praying, you're believing. This father did nothing wrong. I mean, he was a good father. Just like our father God did nothing wrong. We walked away from him. He didn't walk away from us. He was always there, always loving, always caring. We walked away from him. But he said, as soon as you come back, come on back home. You want to come home? Come on. Some of y'all be like, I'm going to charge you some rent. <laughs> I'm going to make you pay up. You're going to eat up all my food. Nah, the father said, bring out all the food. Bring the fatty calf. Fill his house up. You got it. You, you're free. You're, you're the man. Come on. You're the man of the hour. How many know material things can blind us like it did this young man? But the, the most important thing is our God is a loving God. And he loves us so much that no matter what you have done, he's ready to come. He's ready to receive you back. And that's the way you present your God when you share your love with God, the love of God with people. Get a glimpse of how this father treated that boy. Because God was trying, Jesus was trying to teach him something. The same way that the father treated this son, this is, this is the way I treat, I look at people. So we can take this and learn how we're supposed to be sharing the love of God. If we got the right spirit as we're sowing, we're going to reap the harvest. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed. Father, we thank you, Lord.